Dej, how are we? Thank you very much for coming on. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to hear your questions and um, yeah, all the topics we're going to cover today. I'm excited and nervous, especially <laughs> um, especially for you. Um, but before we get started, something that I always start with myself is is a question that that I'm trying to gain wisdom from from people that have been there and done it or are on the same journey. So, what does reaching your full potential mean to you? I think it means something very personal in the sense that my full potential is different from yours. I think we can decide our full potential, but I think as humans, we often come up short. You know, you're at the gym, you do 10 reps, you're like, oh, I'm done. But really, we could all do 12. Mm -hmm. And so I think as much as it's personal and we set the kind of boundary or limit as to what is our potential, I think we also do need other people and to see other people to really understand our full potential. You know, if you're working a nine to five and you hate it, but then we, someone sees us and says, oh, they're, you know, they're doing their thing. They're here at this time during the day. Like, I want to be able to do that. It kind of opens up their mind to what their full potential is. So it's personal, it's internalized. But I think like anything, the context, the things around it mean a lot. And so to me, my full potential is, am I performing the level that is two reps, two steps higher than I think I can perform at? You know, mm. so whether it's, you know, something really simple. I've got 50 cold calls today to make for my cleaning business. I don't do it. I pay someone to do it. But let's say that was the case. I should be making 70. Mm. You know, that is my full potential. But, you know, it's quite a nuanced, um, complex thing because I, I then say, okay, I should be doing 70. That's great. I'll aim for 70. But if I'm doing 70 at the detriment of my health mm. and my mental health and my diet, and then it's not worth it. So it's for me, it's it's such a nuanced answer. But that is how I would kind of summarize it. Um, and I would say that a lot of people are not working anywhere near their full potential, probably mm. because they don't know what they could achieve or what they can achieve with the right people, the right education, the right network. And some people don't want to reach their full potential or they're they're scared of, oh, what's he going to say about me? So, oh, so many things to cover yeah. there. Something that you said there was quite interesting. Um, and I had a guest on recently that said reaching their full potential wasn't just business. People think that I'm yeah. working 50 hours a week uh, 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, but their health's in a bad place, their social life's in a bad place, they've just been through a breakup. Yes, on the outside, you've got a nice watch, you've got a nice car, your business is going well, but is that really reaching your full potential? Probably not. I don't think so at all. So yeah, that was interesting. Also, next, congratulations, 1 million downloads. Thank you, thank you. It should be, it should be 10 times that, but yeah. you know, <laughs> I've been slacking. So a question that I that I think maybe be valuable to some people that are starting a podcast because, I mean, I didn't have to look back far in your content on Instagram to see that you should not start a podcast <laughs> in 2024. Uh, Good timing, and as someone yeah. that was only four episodes in, do you think the right way to start a podcast is, it's a long form piece of content, right? But a lot of your podcasts um, I've noticed are like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, much more digestible. And something that's concerning me a little bit would be if I don't give value, I'm not a Joe Rogan, right? So why are people going to listen to me? So I need to make sure that 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 information there that is that is getting captured is worth hearing about. And just like YouTube is a search bar, how do I get into buy to let? I think that my podcasts need to be the same. So when I finish this and we clip it up, it's me and Ted spoke about this, 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 this is how it can help you. Mm-hmm. But what about those people that are doing, you know, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, 90 minute podcasts that are not that? 
Um, how, how's your, you know, what do you think about that? I think as long as you're not waffling for 60 minutes or 90 minutes, I think it's okay. I, when I listen to podcasts, I, for me, the issue with a lot of 15 minute podcasts, especially the American ones, you got five minutes of selling athletic greens and whatever other bullshit, right? Like eat your fruit and veg, <laughs> like stop powdering it up. Like there's so many reasons why it's not going to benefit you. And then they get into it. And the last four minutes are sign up to my whatever. So for me, a lot of the shorter form podcasts don't deliver because they have their pre and post amble, which they have to do for whatever reason on it. I like long form podcasts and I'll listen to it in gaps. So when mm. I'm like preparing my lunch, say it's like 15, 20 minutes, I'll have a podcast on. If I'm saying with breakfast, if I'm having a quick walk around the block, I'll put something on and mm. it could take me two days to get through one podcast. Yeah. And that's fine. But the only reason is because they've hooked me into it. If I don't want to listen to it, it's gone. It doesn't even get mentioned. If I like it, yeah. I'm texting friends about it. I'm putting on my story. I'm, I'm telling people about it. So I think long form content definitely works because people still commute. Average commute in London, uh, 40 minutes. It's probably longer with delays. So ideally your podcast, you want to get someone from home to work. You know, you want to get someone from the drive, for, like me coming here. You want to get someone, you know, for the majority of that average journey. And if they do have a shorter journey, cool. They'll listen to it on a 15 minute walk today and then the rest tomorrow. So I think a lot of this comes from data mm. and understanding general customers' behavior and asking yourself the question, how do I listen? How do I consume? And mm. is that built for, like, am I building it for someone like me to listen to and for my ideal audience to listen to? So mine are shorter because often they're taken from like solo YouTube videos I do, mm. which they need to be shorter. Whereas if I'm interviewing, they will always be 40 to 60 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's nice to kind of pepper in the short stuff, but have longer bits as well. And I'm always testing, you know, every year trends change or people want changes. So I'm always experimenting. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because I think the it's it's becoming cool now to learn. I think a few years ago, <laughs> yeah. five years ago. I mean, I was sitting in the sauna the other day with with someone that was a little bit on the rougher side. And he was basically telling me that, you know, he listens to Andrew Huberman and Andrew Huberman tells me that I should do a cold plunge and sauna. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know I've been listening to Andrew <laughs> Huberman for ages, but now with podcasts and the long form content, I think it's all, all of a sudden being cool to look after your health and to learn and to get into these type of things. But I think also... We're just consuming over the last few years so much short form content. And I don't know about you, but I'm also getting a little bit sick of it and I'm yeah. going back to the long form content for sure. Yeah, I think that's a that's that's probably gonna be the trend this year. And I've heard like people who are big on YouTube say, even though shorts and reels are so important for engagement and for your profile, they are seeing trends towards the longer form content. And we should, like this whole I think it was TikTok's fault and like lockdown. But it just, the dopamine hit, the kind of being programmed, addicted to these things is what they want for various reasons. And so as humans, like, we shouldn't be doing that. We're not really designed for that. Like, mm. that constant hits of dopamine, serotonin, and everything. And I'm like, no, it should be, let me, you know, chill, listen to someone for 45 minutes for an hour and just kind of change the pace of how we consume things, for sure. How do you think someone like me or someone that's earlier on in their journey when they don't have as much of a following can punch above their weight? Good question. So, you know, one, and this applies to networking, business, anything, is become a person of value. Mm -hmm. So obviously you're interviewing someone. So as much as people might, you're going to come here for the guest, you know, over time they are listening to you. 
They are wanting you to drop things in about your life. They are wanting to hear how you ask questions and are you asking the right questions. Some podcast hosts, as I said in my reel, fucking idiots. Like they're so dense. They ask a question <laughs> and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you do this? And I'm like, but you just, you just asked that. So like, and yet they still grow because as we both know, you can be shallow and have no substance, but still grow in the world. Because mm -hmm. if you look at who has the most followers on Instagram, it's not people who really change the world. It's shallow, substanceless <laughs> people or things. And so if you really want to become a person of value, you have to give value and you have to extract value from your guests. Like people should come on here and learn something different about me. They should learn something unique about whatever we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like that is how you extract value whilst not, I mean, you're still doing something, but you're not having to give it. You're having mm -hmm. to extract it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to post a lot. If you post one podcast every day, cool, do it. But you also then have to have a social media brand to push people to the podcast because a podcast is a one-way thing. YouTube is slightly different, but the audio podcast is one way. There's mm -hmm. no comments, there's no likes, nothing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot in the ecosystem around a podcast that has to go into it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I found one of the single biggest things is just simply posting more, posting more good quality stuff. Mm. Chris Williamson said on a, on a recent podcast that he has to get comfortable and he has made a living out of being the most stupid person in the room. And that comes back to the extracting of information, right? My job is just to facilitate and to learn and eventually in 10, 15, 20 years, you'll have gained enough value to then be able to regurgitate it and, and give it back out. And I saw a post that you did recently, which was um, on LinkedIn, I think it was, where it was business these days is literally just recycling other people's comments and, and knowledge and, and models, right? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. In fact, reinventing the wheel is is very difficult. I don't think there's an industry out there that's not saturated. So it's it's about how can we stand out in in such an industry. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when the more and more content you listen to, and you'll see this as well, like everyone, if you pick four or five business influencers and you really analyze their content, use some AI to analyze it, make your life easier, you will see that generally speaking, it's the same tips because the same tips have generally always worked in business. Obviously, tech, social media evolves. Mm. But the core tenets of how to be a good person, how to live a healthy life, I mean, that changes with science, but like how to run a business and how to grow it and scale it. And all these tips are the same. Like no one person is saying anything unique. We're just saying it in a different way. And people might hate me and like you and vice versa. And then therefore they'll go to whoever they choose. But we're not saying anything exclusive. And this also leads me to a point on morality and ethics. People choose to follow certain people and I'm like, okay, they're a great businessman. Okay, they've also got like 101 felonies against them. You can guess what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> sexual assault, tax avoidance, et cetera. And I'm like, yeah, but he's saying the same stuff as him and him and him. So why don't we follow the people that our morals and ethics actually align with and their business stuff we like? We're going to get into deal sourcing and deal packaging. Ugh, um, can't wait. I know you... I know you love deal packages. They're my best friends, all of them, yeah, yeah. But going back to social media and deal packages, the amount of followers you have doesn't mean that you are of someone that should be listened to, in my opinion. Yeah, and especially yeah. in the deal packaging industry, there are so many people that, in my opinion, do it backwards because they are finding a deal, flinging it at the wall, hoping something that will stick. And... <clears throat> 
we can go into you know education providers whose fault is it the fact that it's unre- unregulated but certainly certainly it's 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 one of those industries that i think is far too easy to get into yeah yeah for sure the barrier to entry is really low none and it's a get rich quick scheme yep definitely for anyone that's listening i did quotation marks there. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin the dream for them <laughs> but you have also just started mentoring so i've been mentoring for one or two years beforehand but now i've just like made a massive package and i've basically redone and rehoned the mentoring offering yeah so let's dive into that because what are you offering that another education provider is not um two key things um one Show me someone who bought 15 properties in nine months, 200 miles away from home, raised just under a million pounds to do it. Um, also, show me someone who has receipts. I've got receipts on my Instagram stories, on my Instagram highlights, on my posts, on my phone right now. I'll show bank statements. I'll show everything. If I make a statement, I'll back it up. Every single other, I can't think, I mean, every single other, let's say major player, I don't follow everyone. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep an eye on them. There's no receipts. They'll start projects. And you're like, oh, cool, that's project whatever um six and then a few weeks three months later you're like where's that project gone i thought you had a project and then mm. oh, onto the net and then you see the start you see that i've bought a project but you don't see the finishing of it you don't see the duration of it you don't see did you get the end value you wanted did it sell same with deal sources oh we've sourced over 200 deals okay mm. and were they good what was the outcome of this deal like you know it's great to say we sourced 200 deals but what percentage of them were at the value you expected? What percentage of them made the person profit? What percentage was the refurb correct? So I can say a million and one things I offer differently, but people haven't done that like I've done it and documented every single fucking step, including the times builders have absolutely made a mockery of me. And secondly, I've got receipts for days. The type of people that you want to work with, you do really well at, I'd say, it might be a strong statement, and I think you might agree, is polarizing the audience. And I think you probably do that the same thing with your mentees, which makes your life a hell of a lot easier because they're coming in knowing exactly what to expect and exactly who you're working with. So you're obviously brilliant at polarizing the audience. And I've started working with a sales and marketing mentor. And he said that it's a brilliant strategy for growth, but it's also a brilliant strategy for telling people up front who's not right to work with you. And the people that are right for work to work with you will naturally gravitate towards you. Mm-hmm. And I can see that you're probably doing the same thing because once they're finally signed up or just before they've signed up, it's not much of a sales process. It's more just. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's interesting. I'm not even trying to be polarizing. Like mm. I'm just one of few people who will share my opinion. Mm. And if my opinion is strong, then so be it. But I have strong opinions loosely held. If deal sources tomorrow change and something else, you know, if pigs start flying, I'll say, okay, pigs can fly. Cool. I believe it. Right now, I strongly believe they can't, mm-hmm. but I will change that if there's evidence to say otherwise, right? And that's because I study biochemistry, so my mind works scientifically. I think being polarizing does work, as we've seen Andrew Tate, et cetera, other people. But genuinely, people say this to me and I think, oh, okay. I just say it as it is, which mm. I think British culture is not to do that. It's just to keep it to yourself, not complain. The food's cold, say nothing. But I'm like, like I'm just telling you how it is. So 
yes, the sales process is definitely easier because I say to my mentees, are you really ready for this? Because I will cuss you if you're not doing what you should be doing. But if you're doing really well, then cool, we're going to be we're going to be flying. Um, so it absolutely works. It filters people out. I don't get bullshit. I don't obviously there's time wasters, but, you know, it's a lot less than it would be if I was happy dapping on the fence all the time. Yeah, I don't think you're polarizing. I think you're honest. Before I started deal packaging, I thought you were polarizing. You didn't tell me you were a deal sourcer before I came on the podcast. <laughs> before I started deal packaging, I thought you were polarizing. Um, but then I realized the more I got into it, how many cowboys there are. And now my content is heavily based around calling people out as well. Yeah. Um, because transparency for me is the most important thing. And... That's worked well for me so far. I wonder where you get your your confidence from. Have you always had that ability to be in front of the camera and just talk? Or is it something you've had to learn as you've got older? And it's matured? a weird one. When I was younger, I was definitely like a lot more introverted. I was very like angry. I wouldn't be a clear communicator. I was very quiet. So very much the total opposite of what I am now. Don't get me wrong. When I'm at home... Like my wife always says like, oh, his test talk's coming out today. I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like, it is me. But also when I'm at home and in my sort of super deep, comfortable space, I am still very quiet and introverted and like need time away from people. But if you, if you call me and say, we're going out, I'm, I'm coming. You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm, I can switch very easily. You're a dancer, aren't you? I am, I am a dancer. Yeah, I used to do it professionally. And <laughs> so my confidence has come from the single, the single best piece of advice, the single thing that means I'm a good public speaker, good in front of camera, whatever, is I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. Now, I want your feedback. I want your critique. I want to get better. But I just don't care about your opinion of me mm. unless it's constructive. And so if I can walk around and not care, not in a flippant way, not in a rude way, but just in the sense that like, if I go on stage, I'm not concerned that that person looks bored or like, oh, what are they going to think about me? Or, you know, like so many people just have this What's my auntie going to think if I post a video? What's that going to say? Oh, what if the... And I'm just like, I'm here to deliver what I'm here to deliver. Mm. I'm here for a reason. You're listening for a reason. Therefore, I don't care. And so was it learned? You know what? I actually don't know where it came from. But at some point, I just switched into not giving a shit, being free, and it, it happened. I think doing is what... Yeah, practice makes perfect. People say, I can't do it, but they haven't done it. Like you've got to do it to be able to do it. And my content six weeks ago was awful and it's still awful, but it's getting six weeks. It's six weeks better than it yes. was. And my first podcast was awful. My fourth yeah. one was better than the first one, but people will not let themselves get to that point first. They're so held back by their own beliefs, their fear, their what ifs. Their, it, it's nonsense. It's all in your head. Like how many times really... Is someone judging you? They got better shit to do. They got, you know, like people need to get out of their own heads and just be. I've seen you comment quite a lot on a certain influencers page or a certain business owner, Alex Hormozy. Yes. I don't know if you're a fan I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to just get his followers to follow me. <laughs> yeah. That's pure tactics. That is literally tactics. I'm, I'm nothing else to that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I do love his stuff. Yeah. But there is a, just a tactic as well. I was going to say, what, what do you love about him in particular? Uh, I do like that he is honest or at least as far as we know mm. uh that he genuinely doesn't really have anything to sell he wants to buy your business if you're of a certain size his books are amazing mm. uh, i think the little minion army who follow his books because they're in my dms you know oh i can do your copywriting for you but i don't have a portfolio i can do your thumbnails but i don't 
it's like, bro, why are you like, what's mm -hmm. this? So a lot of people, as with anything, read his books and they don't implement properly. But his content's amazing. The books, he basically gives them away for free, like on his website. His reels are great. The stuff he talks about is great. He makes a lot of sense and he's quite no nonsense and yeah. a bit emotionless in a good, in a kind of logical, here's a problem, let's solve it, let's get through it. Yeah. I think he has a lot of wisdom to be fair. And he's obviously in incredible shape. So, I mean, there's just the whole package there. Yeah. So... I want to try and give some value to people that are listening that maybe want to go on a similar journey to you in terms of building a property portfolio. I know people pay thousands for this information, but if there's something that someone wants to do tomorrow, let's say you're a complete beginner, you managed to raise £900,000. Let's say someone wants to go out tomorrow and give themselves 90 days from complete beginner to raise £100,000. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Okay, so raising finance specifically. I mean, look, I'll... There is a huge disclaimer, which is you need to be educated, you need to read books, you need to be networking, you need to be getting some education, having a, all that stuff I'm going to just caveat to the side. Mm. But the core steps are, one, telling every single person what you do. Every single person you meet in any capacity, postman, someone at the gym, people you meet at the bar, people you're on a flight with, people you, tell everyone what you do. And it's very easy. You're at the water cooler. Oh, hey, Yusuf, how was your weekend? What do we say in England? Yeah, it was all right, mate. How was yours? Ugh, so boring, waste of time. Actually, I was really tired. You know, I was on right move like the whole weekend looking for property deals and, you know, speaking to potential investors because I give 8% return. Anyways, how was your weekend? Mm. Plant the seed every single day for 90 days. Every single day, set a KPI. Talk to five new people about property. And I don't mean sell to them. Will you invest in me? No, no, no. Just, oh, you know, I do property. Drop it in. Keep doing that for 90 days. Go to places like, uh, you know, these members clubs when they have open days. Mm. Flying clubs, golf clubs, uh, nice gyms, nice bars. Get yourself into spaces where you're going to be surrounded by the kind of people you want to talk to with money and build a brand. And keep doing this and keep following up. Have an investor pack. Keep going, keep going, keep going. If you have a deal, it helps. But if not, that's fine. And eventually by 90 days, you will have spoken to, what, five times 90 people? The problem is for me, I think that when you've come off a course, you all get told the exact same thing. And that is, I help busy professionals build oh, property so portfolios. fucking boring. But we've all done it, including me, until I started working with someone that completely changed the mindset. I wasn't uh -huh. to know any better. Of course. And when you're in the Facebook groups, it's very toxic, but they're all what we would call time wasters and sophisticated investors. And the problem is with sophisticated investors, they want all money out deals. They want ridiculous BRRs. They want 50% return on a flip. Kind of sounds like me. You, you are a sophisticated investor, right? Because you know that you can get better. But the problem is that when you're going to property networking events, which is where people are going to find investors, they wonder why they're not getting investors. But that's because these sophisticated investors are probably not going to want to pay you like a, a reservation fee. They're probably not going to want to um even look at a buy to let that's mm. not brr yep so then i had to get out of that that mindset and go right well who is my audience because my audience are not hanging around at property events my audience don't even know that they're property investors yet yeah they just know i just know they they can be more than they've do you know what i mean yeah you want people I, who have money who want to buy property exactly yeah but they're not hanging around at a pin event or Oh, they're so boring. So in a world that we're like inundated with information at our fingertips, especially when the algorithm's in play, mm -hmm. how do we know 
the source of information we're consuming can be trusted. We don't. Simple as that. We don't know it for politics. We don't know it for um, acts of violence. We don't know it for property information. We genuinely don't know, especially with deep fakes and mm. AI avatars. Like it's when you really look into it, it's like, okay, this like you really don't know. Right. That's that's the true truest answer I can give. When you're looking at, you know, let's say you're looking at some education with someone, you're looking at three tips to race finance. How do you know that that person is the one to follow out of all of them? I think one of the biggest things is, does it sound believable? Now, I appreciate someone totally new. But how do they know that you can't raise a million quid in a month? Mm. Like, like what's the, if I say it with enough confidence, you're going to believe me. But I think putting some common sense and logic into it and saying, okay, that person claims you can raise a million a month. And you can, but you know, they have some outlandish claim. You can be financially free in two months with deal sourcing, right? The line. We're getting there. Um, and like, does that seem realistic to you? If it does seem realistic to you, why is everyone not doing it? Where are the real success stories? But there's a lot of trainers out there. And I know this from various sources who pay people to say things, who coerce people, who lie. Who... And so really my answer, I'm kind of going in a circle here, goes back to the fact that you don't. But going back to what I said earlier, receipts. Mm. If you want training from someone or if you want to invest money with you, or but look at your deals. Okay, show me your last three deals. And how many of the deals before actually did the comparables come in the same? Cool. And how often was the refurb within 10% accuracy? Mm -hmm. Cool. Those are your receipts as a deal packager. I want to see those. Same with me. Ted, you, you said that flip made 40 grand profit. Can you show me the bank statement? If you're a serious person who showed me your bank statement and you've got in 10, not an Instagram profile with no picture, mm. I'll show it to you. I mean, it's on my, it's on one of my highlights. So receipts, um, using some common sense and logic, but also asking around about people. You might walk into a room full of Tej's fans and they say, oh yeah, we love him, he's great. And you're like, oh, that's a bit of a biased view. But the more events you go to, the more people you speak to, the more you learn about all the different trainers and companies and things like that. And it allows you to build a picture of who's real and who's not. Company's house, I mean, it's so delayed and also you can kind of hide things from it. Yeah, You can't always tell, but if you go on mine, there's seven, uh, 16 property charges. So with the address is everything. There's my receipt. You need to be asking people that. Like, oh, you said you bought 10 properties. I couldn't see anything on company's house. Can you, would you mind just, you got an accountant statement? Mm. If you're giving me half a million quid, I could pay my accountant a hundred quid to give you an accountant's verification of my income or whatever, right? Mm. So, people are too easily swayed by the Lamborghinis, basically. So what did you do before you had all the social proof then? Um, I had social proof of me trying to be in property, me learning, me having a podcast <clears throat> reverse ways, asking people, you know, what do you do in this situation? How do you do this? Mm. Because I started my podcast, I think before I even did my first viewing. Mm. So people had followed me go from like a bumbling idiot to... I know what I'm doing in a kind of few months after yeah. a bit of time. And so that helped. I also happened to do the first deal with my own money and an investor or family member. So that gave me not social proof, but actual proof. But before that, you know, if I was raising money and I didn't have a deal, it would have been my personality, people's belief in me. But don't get me wrong, it would have been hard. Like I say to my mentees, what, you're new and you think you're going to raise 100 grand for your first deal? You might, but there's more chance of you JVing. So people need to come at it with some realism and say, I'm new to this. And we've got Tej and this other person who are veterans with scars all over them from dealing with BS. 
like, why is someone going to give me 250 grand? And it's a question you have to ask yourself. Mm. They may, they will, but you need to, people need to understand that and not just think it's, oh, happy, happy, I'm going to get 100 grand. Let's play a little game. Okay. Going to give you some phrases. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. I want you to give me your honest opinion on them. These are not all to catch you out, by the way. Some this, of them this, you might agree on. Let's do it. We've got three or four, okay? Financially free in 90 days. <laughs> this sounds so familiar. I think I saw this on a bus advert today, actually. I think he's doing bus adverts now. Um, so financially free is something we have to define, first of all. I count it as all your shit paid. Bills, mm -hmm. rent, car, everything, including a Ferrari and a Porsche. So it's quite high, the financial freedom base. And then some. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and you're flying, and then some. Everyone's different. You might be happy on two grand a month and fine. But, you know, it's a number that's personal to everyone. So is that achievable in 90 days? Sustainably, no. And realistically, no. Because if you get it in 90 days, it's, it doesn't mean it's going to then continue for the rest of your life. Because if you have the deal package to be financially free in 90 days, then what happens after 90 days? If you still have to keep deal packaging. Is that freedom... Or are you working to make that money? When you have a portfolio and it's passive in speech marks, that's more of financial freedom. So there's two things there, but it is a claim used to get people in, to buy courses, to believe into this, and to paint a different picture of what financial freedom is. What it should be is, potentially, maybe, if you're in the top 1% and you have a bit of money, maybe, and your job is low paying, maybe quit your job in 90 days. That's It's not as catchy, is it? But that's what mm -hmm. it should be. Find the deal and the money will come. <sighs> oh my God. I hate these so much. You know, this one, I actually, um, I mean, okay, it's too simplistic, right? And it's a good way of saying to people, you know, go find, like, go package a deal and an investor will come or go go put, go put do viewings and an investor will fund your deal. There's, it's a lot more nuanced than that. And there's a lot more factors that go into it. I will say though, when you have a deal and you have a deal pack and it's tangible, people are way more interested in investing, like fact, because they're like, okay, mm. I see the deal, not just, you want my money for what exactly? Yeah. So there is definitely truth to it and it definitely helps. I think as a deal packager and as looking for investment, it helps to have a tangible product to attract people. Yeah. But it's not as simple as that because if you're a dick or you're uninvestable or the deal is shit, the money ain't coming. Yeah. And the thing is, you, me and you have heard these phrases so much, but I hadn't until I went on to the property courses. So there's yeah. so many people out there that, financially free in 90 days well it obviously is a tagline or a hook that works yeah same with find the deal and the money will come to me and you it's like oh my god that phrase again but to the people yeah. listening they're going to be like and i think it's important for them to realize or to to at least understand from someone that's done it like yourself slow down just a little bit maybe yeah you become a product of the five people that you spend the most time with yeah, I think uh, was there a Spanish artist called Goethe or something like that who originally said, if you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. And then obviously it's been, you know, I'm sure Drake's probably said it as well. Um, I think it makes absolute sense uh, if you hang around with the technical term waste men who aren't doing anything, um, who aren't really getting anywhere, who are just like happy plodding along, but you have this vision of becoming a millionaire, first person to go to university, whatever, but your environment is... Why are you doing that? You know, come to the pub on Friday. Oh, what are you doing that? Let's go play football. Why are you always working, man? Like, mm. just, like you're in your head, you're going to be like, okay, when there's five of them telling you this. So you are absolutely a product of the net of your network. And that's why it's so important that people go networking. You expand your circles. You make new friends. Like, 
Mm. The people you are around influence you massively. And then they'll reach a point where you'll say, cool, I've got my circle, got my friends. I now need another higher circle. Doesn't mean you ditch them, but it means you get yourself into higher circles if you want to keep evolving. So 100% agree with that. Yeah, but Tedge as well, I think some people, a lot of people do not want to be an entrepreneur. And when Which is great. You were, yeah, and it's absolutely great. And the worst thing and what I don't like seeing is entrepreneurs or people that are on courses that are telling you that you need to do this for your family and you are, as the man of the house, You, if you're not making 10K a month, you're a failure. And there's so much of this language that I think is super damaging. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people in my network family-wise, friends-wise, that just want to go to work nine to five, bring back a few grand a month and go home and put the Netflix on. And for me, happy days, because not everybody wants to or even has the capability to or the drive to make it work. And I think broadening the timescales, things started to change for me when I stopped looking at things from a six-month perspective. Where am I going to be in six months? I now look at it for five years. So if I start making the right decisions today with an outlook of five years, I stop making such rush decisions. Because if you have to do something, then you start making bold calls that very rarely pay off. Whereas if you just get to do something and you're like, right, I'm going to make this decision. I've got time to think about it and I'm going to be strategic about how I do this and I'm going to get my content right. Then you start making better plays and that's really helped me instead of being right. Well, I've got a kid on the way, which I do. Congratulations. (laughs) I've got a kid on the way, so I, I have to be making this figure, but I just took all that pressure off and then all of a sudden things started working better for me. 10K a month in 30 minutes a day deal packaging i thought you were gonna say 10k a day keeps the doctor away no um 10k a month in 30 minutes a day so you need 30 minutes a day to make 10k a month through deal packaging heavy eye rolls um i feel like i've heard that one before specifically as well yeah whoever you are i'm gonna go home and yeah i'm gonna find who you are and do nothing with it i'm just gonna laugh make a real yeah make a real (laughs) um okay Once your system is fully set up and maybe you have a team or you have VAs or something like that and you're sourcing three to four deals a month, could you pop in for 30 minutes a day in your business and make 10K a month? Absolutely. Um, My cleaning business makes uh, four and a half K a month and I spend, if I'm not growing it, yeah, less than 30 minutes a day on it. So it is possible. Mm -hmm. But at the start, in the initial activation period, the initial inertia, the initial obstacle... No, like absolute bollocks. It'll take, I mean, you probably advise better timelines, but it'll take three to six months to get to that kind of stage Mm. where you're doing that. And most people don't last that long because they think, oh, I'll do deal sourcing for a few months and then start buying stuff. So for for anyone to actually get to that stage, it takes the actual desire to do that, which most people, I don't think, have that desire. Because when you do source a couple of deals, I think you can then start raising finance and I think you can then twist your trajectory. Yeah. As far as I know, most people do deal sourcing as a stepping stone, not as a future thing, but great business as a as a model. So yeah, it is possible, but if it's being sold on the front of a course or the front of a thing as a, yeah. this is going to happen now, you'll leave my thing and you can do it. And it's not specifically said that, look, this will take time and hard work and most of you won't get there, then it's, it's just sales yeah. bollocks. I'd prefer to see 
months nine to 12, you can do it with 30 minutes a day. Yes. And if that, right? Because the majority of deal sources don't have a team around them. Nope. And, you know, I know, I do know several very good deal packages, investment consultants, sources, whatever you want to call them, that are doing seven, eight, nine, ten deals a month. And they've just got, you know, one or two staff and some VAs. So I know it can be done, but the reality is that 99% of people in the room at a course are not going to be making 10K a month within 90 days. And it's not 10K of profit, that's turnover. I appreciate yeah. your costs are, you know, low, low. but it's turnover and, and turnover is just for vanity. Moving on, there's a lot of slagging off of, of buy-to-lets at the minute since rates have gone up. I know they're coming down. And you built a portfolio of single lets, right? Mm-hmm. Two service accommodations, but yeah, single service com- service accommodation, but m- mostly single lets. Where do you think we stand on buy to lets today, and are they still a good investment for the passive investor? It's a tricky one because rates are so high, and because prices are still kind of where they're at, and action and interest is still, you know, fairly high. It is very tricky to get a deal like I was getting. Mm. All it means is now you're leaving in more money, and you are making slightly less a month. But like back then, I went on five-year fixes, which are great because my rents go up. I don't put them up, but when someone leaves, they go up. So my mortgages are tiny because they're on the old rates, but the rent's high. Now I'd be advising my mentees, maybe you should be doing two-year fix, maybe even a tracker because we're not in a good position right now, but we could be. Mm. And I don't want you to miss out on that because of early redemption charges and fees. So don't lock yourself into five years like I did because it made sense then. Mm. So, and obviously we can't predict the future. So buy to lets are still a good investment and that's subjective. Good is subjective. Mm. Are they as good as they used to be? I don't think so. But then what does that mean? Okay, maybe we should look at uh, single lets with legal issues. Maybe we should look at HMOs. Maybe we should look at build to rent. That's the top of the triangle. But, mm. you know, maybe do rent to rents for a little bit. You know, maybe consider doing buy to lets here only blocks of flats, only portfolios that you can add value to. Mm. You know, maybe and I'm doing this heavily now, but for a different reason, maybe you just look at flips, you know, because buy to lets are great. Tenants are great. I love you guys um, most of the time, but there's still a lot of like stuff. Whereas if I can do a flip and make 30 grand a year conservatively from one flip, or mm. it's not from a year, but from one flip, isn't that not the most passive income? Because yeah, I spend two, three months doing the bloody thing and whatever, but then I've got 30 grand here. Now, I'm not an idiot. I could just split that by 12, and that gives me income from a year for a mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't get capital appreciation. Yes, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I always see people's minds seem to just be blown by it when I say, yeah, but you're not an idiot financially. So if you got that flip profit, why don't you just pay yourself monthly and keep doing flips? Now, there is obviously the long-term argument and the capital appreciation, but there is an argument there that, okay, well, when the market becomes like this, why aren't we flipping? Yeah, I agree. I was at a networking event the other day and... Someone said to me that these education providers, I know you've said about having the receipts and stuff like that, but my question to you is, and, and, the, and the point he had was, if they're doing so well, why are they choosing to educate? Because it makes good money. Simple as that. Honest answer. It, yeah. It's the truth. And also one thing that annoys me that people say, and I wonder what these people are actually doing with their property journey, is they say, oh, that person, no one said it about me, but that person makes more money from property from education and property. And I'm like, quick maths here, yeah? If you have 20 buy-to-lets at 300 quid a month, or you can sell a couple of courses a month and a bit of mentorship, like, 
it's context. Like if you're a graphic designer in property, you're getting paid this much, right? Mm. If you're a graphic designer in fintech, you're getting paid this much. And if you're a graphic designer for the Saudi royal family, you're getting paid this much. Your same skills, same person, same portfolio. Your skills are paid in relevance to the context that they're in. So of course, property um, education earns more because it does. That, that's just what it is, what it is. When can someone be qualified to educate? I think they have to go through, like for example, in service accommodation, you have to go through a season and that is the year. You have to go through all seasons. You need to be seasoned in what you're doing. You need to see the down period. You need to see the effects of whatever next disease, whatever issue is, at least in a year so that you can say, hey guys, I'm teaching you SA, but when it comes to winter and whatnot, this is what's going to happen. Just expect it. Not, oh shit, guys, I've never done a winter before. I don't know. Do you, no, no. I want you to be like, I've done this. I think when you're buying properties, I would say five is probably the minimum for me to sort of have bought and sold to be teaching because in, at five, you're going to be relatable to people who have zero, a lot mm. more than if you have 50, right? And then past five, fine, crack on. But also some people are not good teachers. Some people haven't done it right. Some people don't actually know what they're talking about, you know, using aqua boards that aren't tanked instead of hardy backer boards. Mm. I've spoken to people, but they're like, what? I'm like, oh, okay. What does Blue Grit do? Oh, I don't know. Like, I've spoken to so many people who've bought properties who just don't know things that they need to know. So as much as it's number of properties, there's also just like, are you really a good teacher? Are you engaging? Are you going to, mm. do you care? Like, so there's a few factors around it, but you can't just do three rent to rents and think like you're a bad man and just start selling. So when's the right point to start diversifying, not in property, but in the next part of your journey, because now you've moved on to M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Why have you chosen to do that? Is that more just to scratch your own itch? You want to be more diversified? You want to be a businessman and not just an investor? What's the reasons for you going down that road? So I, I have like an expiry period. You know, I had my recruitment business for three or four years, golden handcuffs, and then I just like, I'm done with it. Property, I did so much in such a short period that I was like, I'm kind of done with it. Took like a mini retirement from it, did other things. And now I'm kind of back into property. So I know as a person that I can be fickle. So that's one of them is that I actually need these different things to keep my mind healthy and to keep me interested. Uh, I was always going to set up a food business, which I'm buying now, should be completed in a few weeks. So it made sense to buy one instead of setting it up because it's such a good deal. The cleaning business was just a great deal. But as I was sort of taking a break from property, I thought, I want other businesses. Like you said, I want to diversify. I want cash flow. I want some staff. I want to build a culture. I want to just do things mm -hmm. that I haven't done in property or I have no interest in doing in property. So for me, mm -hmm. it was driven by the emotion of passion, interest, things mm -hmm. like that. But also in the back of my head, like, let's get more income streams. Is money the root of all evil? No. I think power, power and ego are the root of all evil. But money is interlinked with that because money gives power money takes away power and it's so intrinsic i think i think money can be the currency of evil because people do things in the world and to people and to other humans and animals or whatever for money but then the pretext is for the power that the money gives you yeah so there's there's a lot in it but i know i don't think like having a lot of money makes you a bad person or you know, I think it just reveals who you really are. A bit like alcohol. It, it, it takes away the inhibitions. Yeah, 100% agree. Money for me 
it's not a bad thing to be motivated by money, like you say, but it's what you can do with money that can change you. Money doesn't change you. It's what you can do with the money that changes you. Mm -hmm. I just want to go back to the start a little bit. You've been known for so many things. I mean, I think you've trademarked the color yellow. No one in property takes yellow. You're right, actually. I haven't seen any. Yeah. Nobody takes yellow because it's like, well, it's Ted just got Because then I'll just call okay, it out my so story. You kind of went branding, you went for property, you've done buy-to-lets, you've done flips, you're doing mergers and acquisitions. You've done it all in a pretty quick space of time. But for the people that's listening, you know, do we want to be portraying that this can be done as quick, right? Because you have been doing this full-time for a long time, okay? Whereas a lot of other people might be in a job, working a nine-to-five, slowly get out, start to replace their income. So I think, again, going back to the education providers, I guess, with timescales, we need to be broadening those uh, yeah. timescales 100%. For you personally, are you a little bit shocked at how quickly things have moved for you? I haven't been quick enough. <laughs> um, I, am, I used to be quite impatient. I think I'm micro impatient, but I'm macro patient. So the five-year thing you kind of said, I can't think that far ahead. It just, I'm like, who fucking knows where I'll be, what I'll yeah. be doing. But I do have a long-term vision, but you know, day to day I'm impatient in a way I've had to control in terms of when I'm chasing people, when I'm following things up, when I'm doing things. I am someone who, and I also lack focus sometimes. So again, it all kind of comes together as a shitstorm of a lack of focus and a lack of direction sometimes, um, which I'm very upfront about. And so with the timelines, I think it could, I think someone could do it quicker um, however, the timeline I've done it in, yes, is quick compared to the average, but I always say to people like, yeah, 15 properties in nine months. Great. Do you really want that? Like, do you know what I went through? Do you know what well, they should for following me? But do you know how fucking hard that was? Mm. Like I, my, one of my mentees said that to me and I was like, you're an idiot. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to beat you. He hasn't beaten me. I, you know who you are. But like, I was like, don't do it because it, it absolutely wrecks you. Right. And so as much as we want to quit our jobs, we want to do this it's actually better sometimes like to play that long game you said to slow it down a little bit because it gives you time to breathe to think to actually enjoy what you're doing um i, I don't know i think people aren't as impatient as me either what's the cost effective way to create content this is something that's a, a selfish question that i want to know the mm -hmm. answer to because the quality of content now has to be excellent to stand out yeah you said that on one of your stories that one of your icks is bad content so obviously hiring an editor to edit your reels, 30 quid, 40 quid a reel for some of them. As long as you've got the storytelling bit right, as long as you've got that bit right, do you think that you can go unedited and a bit more raw? So I'm seeing that there's a trend now of kind of these oversaturated, literally like saturated images and whatnot, edited reels are kind of heading towards maybe more natural storytelling ones. Which means for everyone starting out, this is your opportunity mm. because you don't have to spend all this money with the fancy editing. So absolutely, yes, you can. You can use things like Opus AI, I think it is, to yeah. cut. I don't know how good it is. I'm not vouching for it. But there's lots of AI tools that you can use to cut things. Um, you need a good camera. I'm picky about them. My dad's a photographer, videographer, so I've got the kit that I probably don't even need. But it means that when you see my quality, it's a step above. Yeah. Um, and so is my editor. So you can iPhones, iPhones have the best, like really good cameras. 
You know, we spend, what, £1,000 nowadays on an iPhone Plus? That is your camera. Amazon, get a good ring light, set up a good space, get a good mic. Again, Amazon, not too expensive. With those basics, you can go a long way with what you said, storytelling, how you come across. And if you can hook people in the first five seconds, sweet. What's the next five years got in store for you? I know you said you can't think that far, but where's the growth? Where's the limit? So growing the cleaning business to, I want to double the turnover this year. So turnover is currently about just under 200 grand. So I want to make it 400 grand. Net profit then should also be about 100 grand just. Um, the food business I am buying to scale it, to sell it. So the minimum I want to sell it for is a million, but I'm probably going to like go past that. Currently, yeah, we need to 10 exit to get it to that kind of level. So those are my big, like, I am focused as fuck on those this year. Mm. Uh, also the mentorship, I've got seven or six more spaces at the time of filming this. I'm focused on growing that, filling those spaces and like getting them to a point at the end of this year where we can look back and say, whoa, mm. like we absolutely killed it together. Doing a couple of flips as well this year. I'm not massive on that, you know, because the other targets are kind of much bigger. And then after that, I probably will have like a mini retirement again at some point. Keep traveling. I've got, I'm going to Miami next week for my friend Stag. I've got Lisbon afterwards. I'm going to Greece for the same guy's wedding. You're making me spend so much money on him. <laughs> um, I'm going, I'm going to so many places and I want to keep doing that, keep traveling, keep having the freedom to do that. So yeah, for the next five years, it's to keep doing what Tej does, which is make money, spend the money, enjoy life and like just be present and be happy and and be content yeah i think when things are going right a lot of people take the foot off the gas but if things are going right just keep doing I'm the pushing. same yeah, thing as you're doing yeah. and double down and then double down again and then double down again i think we've covered quite a lot there i really appreciate you coming on thank you very much um there's so many things that i would like to get into with you but obviously it's hard to get it all in within an hour if people want to find you where can they find you where can they hit you up uh, Tej Talks on Instagram, Tej Talks on YouTube, Spotify, just everything. If you type me in, there should just be an army of yellow that just comes <laughs> up. Awesome. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it.